Hello and welcome to the podcast where we shine a light on the complexities and challenges surrounding the importance of human behaviour on cybersecurity and compliance. That's right, we're talking about people being at the centre of information security and data protection and the challenges of engaging users to create change in their behaviour. This is Beyond the Firewall. Hello, and thank you for joining us. My name's David McClelland, and joining us today to ask why does cybersecurity have to be so darn serious is author of Cybersecurity for Dummies and Meta Compliance CEO, Robbie O'Brien. Hello, Robbie. Hi, David. Good to be here. And special guest, founder of Identity Protection Planning and internationally recognized, over-enthusiastic cybersecurity expert, Dana Mantilia. Dana, I did steal that from your uh, YouTube channel. But uh, hi, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. Tell me about this overly enthusiastic thing and, you know, how it's been that your work has become this thing online now. Just, just chat us through your story. So I came into this space through the identity theft protection area. We came up with a product to help protect people's credit over here and give them alerts and all that kind of stuff. And after we developed it, that's when I realized that we really need to have uh, some education on identity theft and cyber crimes and just scams in general for young people, for regular our age people and our parents. So I thought, well, how am I going to go about doing this so that it's not like this boring, boring, terrible, terrible stuff? So I said, well, maybe I could do some videos that'll be very short and very focused on a very particular topic and very layman's terms too. Uh, and that, you know, you start talking too technical and it goes over people's heads and they get overwhelmed mm. and then they just tune out. So anyway, and then I thought, well, then maybe I could add a little bit of humor. But that was a little dangerous of me because first of all, I didn't have a leg to stand on as far as who I was in the IT world, okay? I, nothing, nothing. I come from the car business. My family is a Ford <laughs> dealer. So this was like out of left field. So. Anyway, I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm only going to know if I put some videos out there. So I started doing some videos, got no traction, no likes, no nothing. It was just like me talking to myself. And then I did a video on synthetic identity with my daughter's American Girl dolls. And people started private messaging me saying, hey, now I understand what that is. It's synthetic identity uh -huh. thing. You know, I'd never even heard of it before. So as time went on, I got a little bit more of a following and a little bit more of a following and you know, here we are today. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, fascinating stuff. And, you know, you mentioned about bringing humor there and, that, and that's very much the theme of today's uh, today's conversation. And, and Robbie, you, you lined up the, the specific title. Why so serious about cybersecurity today? But my question to you, first of all, Robbie, is surely cybersecurity is a serious business. You know, a data breach can spell ruin for a business. It can be the curse of customers, you know, reputations left in tatters and ransomware can cripple healthcare facilities. Cyber literally can be life or death. So that's no laughing matter, really, Robbie, is it? It really isn't a laughing matter. And I think we have already come from a basis over the last 10 years of, of saying to people very sternly, this is no laughing matter and it's very serious and you have to do this and you have to do that. And very, very soon it becomes blah, 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 and it just fades into the corporate background. Meanwhile, we have a industrial scale threat based on phishing, based on ransomware. And then you go into, you know, bespoke scams in business email compromise where these guys will spend you know more time understanding your organization than your average stalker 
they're going to know who your weak people are. They're going to get into their social media. And the bottom line is ordinary people are not really in a position to defend themselves against that. Let's cut back to the organization. Up until now, it's been death by PowerPoint. It's been, you know, one size fits all vanilla, you know, blah, blah, blah training. And I think for me, it's, it's, it is so serious. Are we going to take it seriously? And on that basis, it's about engaging people, getting their buy-in, getting them to connect in some way. And the reality is we all connect differently. We all need to have activation of, of particular recognitions. And the one thing that sort of runs across everything is, is, is humor. Now, the problem with humor is that it is unique to, to certain people. So it is a, an interesting topic. I think that engagement of people in what is a traditionally boring subject is the big challenge. And you also have to recognize that within the organization, online, I suppose it's the same for ordinary individuals. This type of thing is, is competing against other Netflix and Facebook and all the other things that we consume. So Dana stuff is competing against that. How, how do you stand out? How do you become you know, the red pencil in the box of, of, of white pencils? And so I think that it's worth having a conversation about that subject because it isn't really a subject that within the general IT. It, it, it definitely is not a subject. It's a very serious subject. But when we're talking about changing culture, changing people's behavior, well, listen, you've got to do something that actually stands out. Because that's what the criminals are doing, isn't it? That is exactly what the criminals are doing. And man, they are getting so good at it. Dana, you persisted in what you were doing. And with, with, with your backstory there, you said that to begin with, you weren't getting a great deal of engagement and you, you, you tried a few different things until you found a thing that, that did work. Did you feel as though you were being brave? Did you feel as though you were being bold or was this just something, well, I'm just going to try a few different things and, and go with it? Because that's the thing with comedy. Sometimes I feel as though you're taking a risk with comedy. Did you feel as though you were taking a risk at the time with what you were starting out with? Definitely. No question. I mean, I thought I was going to get laughed off the screen. You know, they say, who is this crazy lady? What is she doing with these videos? You know, and that can very easily have happened. And that would have affected my identity, that protection product and everything. So yeah. I was very nervous about doing all this. You know, who's going to buy an identity that protection product from somebody who's making silly videos, you know, and people are making fun of. So and it's also it's, it's a very male dominated, very serious IT technical world, right? That the cybersecurity world, lots of people still haven't separated mentally IT from cybersecurity, even though there's a huge difference. So the IT people, they tend to be, you know, very serious, very technical, very dry. And some of them like to make fun of my videos. And so I did one video where I have the big salt shaker and I'm like, oh, we got to add some salt to our passwords. And, <laughs> you know, they, they all attack me and they're saying, that's not the exact definition of salt. And I'm like, listen, buddy, I'm just trying to tell people to make their password more complex, okay? And they're learning this and they're remembering this, not you making your nasty comments about what, what exactly salt is. So anyway, yes, I was very nervous. I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. I think, you know, one thing is that people connected with me because they see me as a regular person. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a business person. I'm a mom. You know, I'm just a regular, regular person just like them. And, you know, the non-technical people in the environments, in our organizations, 
are the ones that are causing most of the problems. Yeah. And we don't really want to focus on them. We want to focus on, well, we're just going to put something, some other software product in or some other firewall or something like that. Meanwhile, Sally's answering the phone, giving her credentials over the you know, phone to somebody <laughs> who she thinks is from HR, you know, and it's not. It's so it's things like that. It's a lot easier to trick an employee than it is to hack into a computer system. So anyway, I'm getting off track. But yes, I did think it was going to be a little bit of a risk for me to do these videos. I want to pick up on that risk bit, Robbie, because, you know, we're talking about this this need to create memorable, engaging content in order to kind of meet the cyber criminals where they're at. And I guess the, the argument is that in the same way that food, food is very, very much the way to engaging my heart. Comedy is a way to engage many people's brains. And that all sounds perfectly reasonable, perfectly actionable. But the thing is, is that comedy can be very difficult to get right. You know, Dana, you said that it did feel as though you were putting yourself out there. There was quite a lot at stake in terms of your, your, your business there. And Robbie, comedy can be very difficult to get right on a number of fronts, particularly with very conservative corporates. Totally. And uh, there's also generational issues as well, where certain audiences within an organization are much more sensitive than others, right? So we began looking at ways to provide an easier method for people to consume, consume this stuff. And clearly we, we hit upon uh, comedy. And there's a, here in Europe, there's a book uh, called Lady Bird Books for Grownups. <laughs> They used to be books for kids back in the 70s. And the ones now are like, you know, The Hangover. And it's about a guy having a hangover. And it uses all that lovely, colorful, uh, childish stuff. It's really, really good. So we wanted to do a homage to that almost. So it was called Cybersecurity for Grownups. So it was always going to be a bit tongue in cheek. And, you know, we realized that we were talking to corporates. And so therefore there was there was no like... Some of this stuff wouldn't even get a smile. Like this, this isn't as good as Dana's stuff in terms of comedy. Like we're not talking ha ha, but belly laughs. It's it's just it's just like that. It is like the the ladybird books for grown ups. It's it's smile chuckle. You can give it to your grandfather. You know that type of thing. And we went. We we developed three of them, and we put the we we have an internal process of our our staff seeing it and, and giving feedback. And we were surprised that at first there was in among a couple of people came back says you can't send that out and i and in the first one we have a, a concept of it's like joey out of friends this guy who just you know is is making all these mistakes he works in a coffee shop then he gets a job in an office he falls for business he made compromise and, and, he, and he gets fired and then he's back uh, in the coffee shop and really the headline is He's happy and he's no longer a threat to society. And and, and we thought it was, yeah, that's, that's pretty amusing. And it gets the message of business email compromise. And, you know, it's really bad as an employee to fall for this type of thing. Um, but people are saying, you can't actually put that out because, you know, you'll offend baristas. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, what? I didn't know I had to be sensitive for baristas. And, and this went on and we got ourselves absolutely tied in knots until we recognized a few things. The first one is to develop something that people will like, like what Dana has. You actually have to develop a personality, all of your own, unique. Otherwise it's vanilla, right? It's corporate pap. So now you're, you're, you've got personality. Fact of the matter is there's going to be a percentage that will not like it. For us, that actually is a good thing as well, because people saying, I didn't like that thing, that's still engagement. Uh, you don't defend people. There's no, I, I don't think you can offend. Uh, there's no baristas. Uh, and then 
So at the end, they wouldn't do it. But I wanted to put it at the end. No baristas were, were harmed in the making of this video. <laughs> I think then what happened is we realized, no, wait a minute, the issue is really not that. The issue is, does the chance of somebody complaining, you know, does a CISO, does a CIO have to have the same worries as, you know, the guy who's in PR, who's out talking to the press? Internally, that is. I mean, you put out the e-learning, it's really engaging. You get a lot of people, the vast majority of people like it, but you're going to actually have a lot of people that are, are, are not happy with it. But we're talking really small digits. And in, in my situation, it was like 1%, but they were a very vocal 1%, right? We actually started talking to analysts about this and they were like, oh no, you can't do it. You can't do it. And I, I actually thought the analysts were wrong. So I decided to, to I'm in the process of proving me myself right. I would love to say proving them wrong, but it isn't. It's a, so we did a number, we did a, an early stage piece of research. And, and the, the question is to the people, do you know how bad cybersecurity is? And honestly, everybody does. This is not unknown. This is front and center. The second thing is, you know that you have to take cybersecurity training. Yeah. If, if you had the choice of something that was humorous and not, what would you do? Everybody, I'd rather have something that was humorous. If you thought that you know, somebody, a, a small minority, we're not going to like it, but that overall the, the, the general population will, will become more vigilant. Is it worth it? Unanimously, again, everybody said, yeah, absolutely. Because guess what? That's bloody common sense, right? And none of the, the cyber criminals are taking into account sensitivities nope. or political correctness. And they're just driving a coach and horses through all the controls. So I actually think what we're trying to do is provide, now it's, it's going to be part of a bigger research project with 1,500 people to really provide the CISOs with the evidence to say, actually, yeah, I know you're not happy with it, but here, read this. Here's research to show that if you don't have personality, if you don't bring humor into it, if you don't have something, you t if you don't tell a story, for example, then you can forget about people actually remembering the message that you're trying to get across. And you can absolutely ignore any opportunity to change the culture because you just won't. Yeah, you know, I've seen over the years so many corporate communications, corporate films where they've tried to stuff some comedy in there to try and create that engagement, you know, the, the, the prodding, the nudging, the kind of mental soup that hopefully people will take something away from, whether it's, you know, key sales messages or, or awareness stuff. And I've seen it go very right. And I've also seen it go very wrong as well, because, you know, that, that insight that comedy can be a good way of engaging is all well and good, but actually then being able to deliver with something that, you know, overcomes those hurdles of, is it actually funny? Because comedy is quite difficult. And does it offend anyone? And if it does, then actually, is that okay? Or are you being a bit too offensive? There's lots of little hurdles that we need to get over there. But some of the things you mentioned, you know, personality uh, are, are really important. And, and Daniel, I want to come to you to that because personality, lighthearted comms, that's what you've been doing very, very successfully. So I'm just wondering what we can learn or what you think you've learned on your journey so far, you know, if there's a formula or if there is, you know, some guardrails within which you operate that helps you to create that engaging content that makes you feel at ease being yourself or being a really good version of yourself in the films and in the content you create. 
I think we have to all look at what we have been doing up till this point has not been working. We're throwing more and more money at cybersecurity training, and the problem is just getting more and more and more and more. So it's not working. So this whole idea of exactly what you said, the bad guys, they're not worried about offending anybody or, oh, I shouldn't do this because this is not right, politically correct. They're like, fire away. They're creating the exact emails they know someone's going to click on. They, they don't care about any of that. But we get hung up on that stuff. But so what I wanted to do with mine was to create a character that could, like I started out with getting a lot of these costumes. I mean, the stuff that was getting delivered to my house, my kids were like, what are you doing? You have gone <laughs> off your rocker. So anyway, and that helped create different little characters that I could do and tell little stories because you're absolutely right. Is Stories definitely keep people, they remember them. And it could be a very short story. I mean, all of my videos are mainly under four minutes and there's a little story in in almost each each one of them because they can picture it they can picture themselves in that situation so that's what i try to do is when i'm mm. telling whatever the message is to try to put it into something that they can relate to again and i think it's they can relate to me because i'm just a regular person i'm not someone who's trying to be authoritarian and say you need to start doing this because you're going to get fired if you don't I'm just talking about, you know, this is the new reality of, of what we need to to do. And, and you know, we mentioned before that this is a cultural thing. This isn't a check the box as far as, okay, I did the training. I suffered through it for an hour and now I don't have to do it till next year. That doesn't do anything. We need people to be continually thinking about what, about what am I doing while they're at home, while they're talking to their kids and while they're talking to their, their elder parents too, because it's everywhere now. Everybody is, is going to be a victim of one of these things at some point in their life. And if we can avoid some of it by being a little proactive and, and taking a method that's different than what's going on now, because that's what we need, need to all realize is what we're doing now is not working. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Robbie, we've spoken about some of this before, you know, the, there's some core principles here. And, and Dana, you know, we've all spoken about it. Story. We've spoken, Robbie, about storytelling totally. in the past, making it tangible, making it relatable as well. Humans, humans like talking to humans. So, you know, making it, making it human, making it real and, and being that, that relatable person who is also sharing a very important message that, that, that seems to be the stuff that however you communicate to whichever audience, as long as you've got some of those key principles, whether it's comedy or less comedy, but more lighthearted comms, you've got a good chance of making that story and those messages stick, Robbie. And David, I don't know if you ever had it, but th this has been done before. I remember I, I worked for three companies over a long, you know, three different companies. And in each three of the companies, they provided me with the same training. One of them was a bank and the other was an accounting firm. And it was John Cleese and Ronnie Corbett. And they were actually doing, it was, it was organizational training videos for, you know, balance sheets, profit and loss accounts, source and application of funds. And they did it where basically John Cleese was an idiot and kept getting things wrong. And that, I think those videos are still doing the rounds and they must be at least 40 years old. Yeah. So when you do comedy right and, and you have a boring subject, the actual subject becomes the thing that helps you be funny because everybody knows it's it's boring right and i think that you know people open up themselves that little bit more when you're trying that bit more to engage them to meet them halfway as opposed to i've sent you out a, a 30 minute or a, a full hour course tick the box we're done come back next year and, and as dana says that's failing that's failing. And the consequences now of, you know, one of these things getting through and ransomware getting into your organization is eye-watering. And, and yeah. 
there isn't a month that goes by that there isn't a big, amazing high profile case. And unfortunately, from my perspective, I think that our governments are going to start to legislate more and more on organizations to pull up their socks when it comes to cybersecurity and putting more firewalls, you know, stacking the firewalls higher ain't going to get it done. You know, it's funny you mentioned John Cleese there, because when I was saying about, you know, I've seen some good corporate communications and some really poor ones, I think John Cleese must have done very, very well over the years because there's a specific film that I'm thinking of. And when I used to do training in my area of IT, disaster recovery, business continuity, he did this film for a vendor. I think he played uh, Dr. Trainwreck or something, and it was about (laughs) disk backup versus tape backup. It was, it stands on its own still 20, 30 years later totally. as a really good piece of content. And, totally. you know, there is something about some comedy that becomes quite timeless in a way, even though the environment has changed. And I guess this is, this is another thing that, you know, we talk about how cyber threats, cyber risks are evolving so much. Uh, and, you know, you are both making content for, you know, in some cases, similar audiences, in some cases, different audiences, when the threats themselves are changing, when the threats themselves, the specific threats are are evolving. Another challenge kind of going into the corporate space here, perhaps, Robbie, is that the people who are very often tasked with making this content, you know, whether it's the internal comms team or, you know, sitting underneath a CISO or whoever, very often they are not necessarily the best suited to making this content, you know, maybe that maybe it's lack of budget, maybe they don't necessarily have some of the thinking that you guys are, you know, coming up with trying to push the envelope here, trying to find ways to engage staff. How can you work with organizations or with those people to make sure that they are aware that actually what you're doing isn't working right now? Here's another way. So I think you're absolutely right. And as Dan has said, this is still seen as an IT issue when it actually isn't an IT issue. I mean, what you're you're doing is all your IT controls have failed when the user is faced with a big red button and don't hit the red button and bang, hit the red button and then we're in trouble. That, that actually is probably a very good uh, script there for you, Dan, something to do with a big red button. But I think that, you know, people within information security, within IT in general, are not necessarily geared for internal or external communications, things like the content creation that is needed, the curation of of what's good and what's bad. It never was part of the job description way back and probably still isn't. It's like a, it, it typically is a, you know, just a, a, a small note in, in the job description and, you know, keeping people, training people on cybersecurity will be part of your job. And then there's how do you do that? Another point is how do you do it well? Because that's really the issue is, is how do you do it well? Interestingly, the majority of e-learning, for example, which is the primary method by which people are trained on e-learning, is sent out by email, okay? The number of people that actually click on average and open the email and do the, do the e-learning is about 16 to 20%. That's it. Wow. So that means that 80% of people are not taking the e-learning. However, I'm sure there are people listening this, to this will say, oh, no. We get it in the high 50s or in the 60s and the 70s or 80s, and they probably do. But what they do is a internal machine of cajoling, threatening, beatings. <laughs> no, there's not beatings. But, you know, um, bonuses, management, there's just this 
infrastructure that grows up behind to try and urge people to take this boring e-learning. You know, there's the, the concept of somebody opting uh, willingly to take the e-learning is non-existent because nobody wants to. So I think you'll also find that the marketing department and the internal comms department are a million miles away from this because guess what? It's mm. IT and it's too hard. And, you know, what are we, what are we doing there? Sure. It's surely it's an IT problem. And I think that's at, at the nub of it. And really they have a big part to play. The, the internal comms people have a big part to play, but they really need to understand. And, and I think that's, the takeaway in terms of what you could do is show the internal comms people the damage that can happen, how easily these things can go and make career-limiting situations even worse. And once they understand it, I think they'll buy in and, and help with the corporate communications, help with the, the engagement, the storytelling, because you're absolutely right. That isn't a natural skill set that you find within our industry. I guess that's one way of looking at it from, from the inside out, from the you know corporate comms, internal comms, outwards. But but Dana, from the outside in, you know, you've found gr- great success talking to people about things that they care about. That's gone very, very well on you for social media across a number of different channels. What do you think we might be able to learn from the outside in approach, if you like, you know, people engaging in their everyday browsing, whether it's on LinkedIn or YouTube or wherever, and taking those messages, not only in their homes, but also back to their workplace. Well, I think we all need to remember that we're dealing with people, okay? This is this, even if it's the fanciest, most cor- corporate place, they're regular people that are going home, going on YouTube, watching big fat hillbillies run right around in mud and on quads and do silly things like that. That, that. That's what we need to resonate for. Now, not, not everybody is goofy like that, but we have to understand that people aren't thinking this whole straight and narrow all the time. And, you know, that's why I think my stuff kind of resonates because it's just, it's the same stuff that regular people do. And if you really look at your organization and this is this is one little short story that you can tell to a business owner that we can all relate to that own businesses because we all know we have employees like this right so if you say to a business owner listen i know you're probably uh, you have a cybersecurity plan in place and i just have one thing if something did happen how confident are you that one of the guys in the back room or some gal that works in the office won't be on Twitter telling their 2,000 followers, hey, I'm at work right now and I think we're getting hacked. <laughs> and that usually gets their attention because they can picture it. Everybody can picture They can probably picture exactly who they think would be that person. And if you haven't told your employees not to do that, that's what's going to happen. It's like the Wild West. If something happens and you don't have a plan, it's like the Wild, Wild West. So <laughs> that's that's the kind of things that, that I'm saying. is Thinking about it's, it's people. The way we're trying to approach it now is not working. So let's try to help people. This is another the thing I do, I try to help them help themselves like with their smart devices in their house. Do you know what a disaster these smart devices are all over our house? I mean, Alexa is listening. Yeah. She's acting crazy. Yeah. She, every three minutes she's recording and sending it back to the servers at Amazon. And, you know, it's insane what's going on. But we take these shiny, fun things out of the box. We can't wait to play with them. We plug them in and then we don't even think about it. We don't think about the default password that's set in there. We don't think if the privacy settings are set to, you know, help us or maybe help the manufacturer because we, we don't think about this. And one thing I say is, you know, I always say, oh, this is in 1985. And people laugh when I say that, right? But at the same time, we almost are going through the same transition in the mid eighties when computers started coming into the offices, right? We had to make a shift. We had to learn how to use these computers. And so people made computers, right? The computer developers made these computers and then they brought them they were gonna bring them to the companies. 
but the developers don't know how to teach people how to use these devices. They, they're focused on developing the, the computer, making that computer work, not teaching you how to use it, right? So then they realized they needed to have a, a, some kind of a team that was gonna go in and show the people, the regular people in the office, this is how you're going to use this device. Now that personality type is very different from the computer developer. And that's the missing piece that we don't have right now. We have, we know we have cybersecurity problems. We know we have IT that's, you know, putting whatever they can to, you know, try their, to do it. But we, ha we have no one coming into organizations or doing it virtually that's resonating with the people. That's like the implementation team, you know? Right now it's sit here for an hour, watch this video and, you know, just go back to what you were doing yeah. beforehand, so. I think another thing that resonates with me in, in the people aspect is that people don't feel that they have any security issues in their home life. They feel they have, they are aware of the security issue within the organization because of whatever is going on in terms of um, communications there. But if you can connect the two, if you can get people to think more about making themselves that little bit more vigilant in their personal life, I believe as a as a corollary of that, you'll automatically get them more aware and vigilant within the, the home life. So I don't see that there is really a difference between the consumer need for security and the business needs for security. And, and it's, it's probably something that needs unpicked. And I think it would be of great benefit to, to both audiences. With people working at home right now, and so their work computers are at home, their kids are coming over, everyone's connected to the same network, they're buying all these smart things, plugging it in, plugging it in. You're putting a lot of risks out there when you're not, if somebody can get in through one of these other devices and get mm -hmm. to your your computer, that's something that I think if somebody thinks about, well, that would be really bad, you know, if that, if that actually happened. So yeah. helping them learn about these dangers is important. We're almost out of time. So let's let's try and sum up what we've been talking about. What would you say, Robbie, I'll come to you first of all, the key things to consider when creating a, a cyber awareness campaign to ensure that while it may not be Monty Python's Flying Circus with John Cleese or whoever in it, it's still going to be engaging in a way that it's going to make the most meaningful impression with its audience. For me, I think you have to have the compliance aspect of it entirely second. You know, the fact that, you know, if someone asks, have you carried out training with your staff? Yes, I've carried out training with my staff. That's secondary. That's totally secondary. It's a tick box. What is primary is it takes a long time and you better get started. These are ordinary people. How do you make it, you know, palatable for them? How, how do you make what you're trying to give them consumable? And there you have it. It has to be engaging for anybody. It has to be engaging. And, and that takes effort and time. And I think that, you know, there is a genuine appreciation among people when they see that higher quality of engagement coming along. They recognize there's a change. And I typically find that you will get a respective improvement in the vigilance, in the, the security posture of your organization. Dana, key takeaways from creating content with, with, with humor or, you know, with, with personality that sticks? Yeah, the humor thing is kind of hard to pull off. So I, I don't go recommending everybody try, go try to do that, but <laughs> keeping it lighthearted. And like I said, those little tiny short stories that everybody can relate to, you know, if you look within your organization, the personalities, you know, if you have a thousand people, you just have more. But if you have a small organization, you have that same range of personalities. So just think about those people and how you would communicate to, to them differently. 
differently. And the more that they can relate to it on a personal level, the more it's going to sink in and they're going to remember to put that tip into place if they run into a situation. A couple of quick shout outs. Robbie, a shout out for what I'm sure is a comedy masterpiece, your <laughs> Cyber Security for Dummies book. It is a masterpiece, I have to say, uh, Dave. It might not win any Perrier Awards, but it, it did take a long time for me. The reason why we, we we put the book in place was because a lot of people go, where do you start in, a, in an organization? What do you do? And more importantly, it's to hand off to other execs within the organization saying, this is what we've got to do. And it's in a friendly form. It's something that other people don't see as a boring situation and you're starting off with the engagement in the first place so there's a link people can download the book and shout back out to us and uh, we'll send them a physical copy if they want and dana where can people see more of your work online well you can always catch me on linkedin and my youtube channel uh, my videos are posted on there and if you message me on linkedin i will certainly get back to you fantastic stuff well listen thank you very much indeed for joining us today dana and robbie thank you been a pleasure Talk soon. Bye-bye. And we look forward to seeing you all next time. Bye-bye for now.